peace does not begin with presidents and prime ministers. It begins with you and me, but it must begin in the heart. From there, it can spread to the home, from the home to the community, from the community to the country, from the country to the world. But the process cannot be reversed. You can't have five or ten people in Geneva or Paris or Rome attempting to bring peace to the world if they have no peace in their own hearts. And here we are, smack dab in the middle of the month, dedicated specifically to the arrival of the Prince of Peace, and we have a world as divided as I have ever seen it. I wonder if that could be because the world is focused on everything and everyone but the Prince of Peace. Well, who better to discuss the present human condition and how to find peace in our hearts than a psychologist or shrink as our guest Dr. Ray Garendi likes to label himself. I hardly need to introduce Dr. Ray, obviously, as you hear him every day on Ave Maria Radio. You see him on his weekly EWTN television show. You know he's a prolific author. The latest book is all about Jesus, the master psychologist. And Dr. Ray speaks all over the country as well as ships at sea, where he will be speaking on a cruise ship uh, next month. The Good News Cruise. Welcome, Dr. Ray. Hi, Peggy. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. We're, I just think we have to tell the audience, Dr. Ray, what we're dealing with. <laughs> are you? <laughs> are, wait normal. a minute. Wait, you're not going to bring up all my, my childhood traumas and, and struggles, are you, when you say what we're dealing oh, with? Yeah. You, oh, yeah. You say that yeah. kind of stuff to a shrink, and all of a sudden we get real nervous. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, we've got to keep the audience entertained, right? <laughs> But actually, what we're dealing with is wild windstorms in Gross Point, which are cutting off our power. So we're attempting to do this by phone. But it's kind of, you know, the whole country is dealing with all kinds of weather phenomena. So we might as well be a part of it, right? Yeah. It's going to happen, Peggy, whether we like it or not. Just an interesting little thing, though. I heard a meteorologist talk the other day. And you know the uh, drumbeat of global warming, well, we can't say that anymore, climate change says that we're yeah. having more severe storms. He said, if you go back to the 1950s when they started keeping track, we're having a lot less severe storms. Really? Mm -hmm. In number oh, and severity. Yep. Hey, huh. who lets facts get in the way of an ideology? That's right. <laughs> All right. But uh, since we are having a little problem today, I think that uh, I need one of your... Uh, powerful prayers to start us off will you do that well i don't know how powerful it is but i'll i'll send it up uh, dear Lord, <laughs> yeah. you, uh would you give me and peggy some some wisdom here that anybody who might be listening might say i never thought about that or i thought about it but it makes a difference for me so dear lord please uh, wh wherever you want this stuff to land please help us do that in our lord's name amen Amen. I love your prayers. <laughs> they're very, you know, succinct. Shall we say they yeah, bring Lord the knows Lord what I'm going to say, you know. <laughs> but you know, uh, this show is coming on the heels of uh, the recent release of the Pew Research poll, which uh, says that belief in God and the practice of religion in America continues to drop. So I'm wondering, uh, as a psychologist, do you think? The pandemic had something to do with the fact, I know it's been dropping, and that, so that's nothing new, but the fact that maybe it's a little sharper drop, that the pandemic helped to bring this apart. 
Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think the secularization of America has really gained momentum the last 20, 30 years. And the reaction to COVID, both at the high level of our leaders and the culture in general, is a reflection of more people believing this is the only life. And if anybody tells me that this life is even remotely threatened in any way, I've got to alter radically the way I live, and I've got to turn on the people who I believe could be threatening that life, and I have to panic and have a high level of anxiety because this is it. This is it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big factor. Yeah, I certainly have seen that in the reaction of people to the pandemic. Those of my friends who do not have faith really are hunkering down and hardly doing anything, even people who you know are normally quite adventuresome. And the people who have deep faith are not worrying much. Even the ones who get COVID uh, are not particularly worried about it. Want to hear an interesting uh, paradox, Peggy? Mm-hmm. The group most skittish about COVID is the under 35. The group huh. least skittish about COVID is over 60. Now, how are those two groups different? Well, yeah. if you believe the statistics, the over 60 group is much, much more religious than the under 35. Mm-hmm. Much more so. Secondly, mm-hmm. the over 60 group has lived life. And they've seen mm-hmm. that life, life has risks. It does in so mm-hmm. many ways. They've seen that. So mm-hmm. the fact that the under 35 age group dying of COVID is very, very small percentage. Very small percentage. Well under 1%. Yeah. Well under 1%. Right. But yet they're reacting in these ways by not allowing grandparents to see grandkids, by not allowing... I saw a poll. 60% of those polled said they were not going to allow relatives to come over if they weren't vaccinated. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just to, Basically, I'm going to cut back on my love, attachment, and attention to you because... And, and the irony to that is... I could see it if, in fact, the vaccine was like the polio vaccine. You got it? Mm -hmm. Never got polio. Mm -hmm. That was it. End of story. Right. Right. Research is coming out all over the place that the double dose, and uh, I'm using the word vaccine loosely, but the double dose Mm -hmm. of this genetic approach is uh, really not very effective, Mm -hmm. not in the history of these kinds of interventions. But even at that, Peggy, I'm a shrink. And... It has been confirmed to me throughout this whole COVID response, worldwide, really, mm-hmm. that fear is the most powerful motivator. And mm-hmm. if you allow it to be, it will trump love. Mm-hmm. It will. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. is the most, most powerful motivator if you cooperate with it. But if you allow right. fear to take over, it will creep into every aspect of your life, and it will trump charity, and it will trump all kinds of, of peace. All kinds of peace. I've never seen this kind of diffuse anxiety among so many people. I've called it a cultural phobia. Truly, it has, it has all the ingredients of it. A phobia is defined, Peggy, from a psychological perspective, as an mm-hmm. irrational fear out of proportion mm-hmm. to the actual mm-hmm. risk which constricts one's life dramatically. Well, yeah. what, does that, what does that sound like? Well, you know what I don't understand is how people who are hunkering down and have hunkered into their apartments or their homes for a year and a half, two years, years, are they call that living? I mean, 
I'd rather be dead than <laughs> just doing nothing but staring at the four walls or my television set or even a, and I love reading, good book. I think their view is, well, we've, we've just got to do this until it passes. I've heard so many people say that. Small price to pay for safety. Yeah. Well, the question yeah, but then is, we're getting more and more variants. It just keeps going on and on and on, and, <laughs> and uh, people uh, drumming up new reasons to lock down. I just uh, Peggy, <laughs> I you can't were, call you were, it living. You were involved deeply with Congress, right? Yeah. You've heard of the law of unintended effects? Mm-hmm. Yep. So when uh, a legislation is passed, some kind of social policy is pushed, mm-hmm. if you're not God, it is nearly impossible to gauge what the unintended effects would be. Mm-hmm. The unintended, unintended effects of our approach to COVID have become so obvious in terms of overdoses, in terms of child abuse, in terms of declining children's achievement levels in school, in terms mm-hmm. of divorces, in terms of mental illness, in terms of suicides, on and on and on and on. Let me give an interesting statistic. They studied 5,000 people that were either in the throes of cancer or needed to be tested for p- mm-hmm. potential cancer. Mm-hmm. 14% of them did not follow through. They were, mm-hmm. afraid of COVID. Wow. they were afraid of COVID. So so when you're facing cancer... Here they were with a deadly disease. Yes! And said, I'm not, going to the, I'm not going to the hospital there. I could get COVID. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It just shows you what it's done. I mean, it's just... It's, it's, and doctor, I've talked to cardiologists, and they'll say, oh, we're, we're just seeing way less heart attacks. And I'll say, wow, how do you account for that? And they go, oh, people aren't coming in. They're not, they're they're just not dying coming in. Of it. Well, they're yeah. dying, yes. They've had heart attacks at home, and they're I wonder symptoms. how many people have died, Dr. Ray, of unintended consequences that we don't even know about i i you know i don't wonder figures are starting to think about this too Hmm? the figures are starting starting to trickle out out. yeah absolutely yeah nobody's looked at showing that nobody's looked at it yeah but as it trickles out more and more people are avoiding life-saving early interventions Mm -hmm. because well i can't can't go to the Mm -hmm. emergency room i'll get covid i can't i can't go to the doctor's office i I just want to stay home i'm I'm, covid's more dangerous than anything else out there that's the that's the mindset that's out there now you know, but I think maybe it's lessening. I think people are beginning to just, you know, push back. I'm getting a sense of that. Maybe it's only because I see uh, so many people who have faith are just not going to put up with this. They're not going to be constantly masked and worried about whether or not they're vaccinated or whether whether they're with somebody who's vaccinated. Do you sense any pushback from the American people? As You know, every time we turn around, there's a new variant. I use this example to someone who is in my office who is dealing with some sort of anxiety, whether it's generalized mm-hmm. anxiety, whether it's panic attacks, social anxiety, phobias, whatever the anxiety manifests itself. I will say mm-hmm. to them, you and I are sitting here and somebody breaks in the office door with a gun. Clearly, this person looks threatening. They sit down and they begin a rant and I said, what, what happens to your anxiety level? My old person will say, oh, it's through the chart. It's through, it's through the roof. Okay, my whole mm-hmm. body is reacting. I say, I'm having, quote, unquote, a panic attack. And I'll say, yes, you are, because there's real danger here. Of course, that's what your body does to make you survive. But the person sits there for an hour, hour and a half, two, still got the gun, still mm-hmm. kind of rambling incoherently. Are you as anxious as you were when they first broke in? Now, most people would say, well, well, not quite. I'm still scared. But it, mm-hmm. it, that, that, that overwhelming sense of panic 
has subsided mm-hmm. some. I'll say that's right. It mm-hmm. has. Because mm-hmm. your body can't stay at that level. The adrenaline, mm. the epinephrine, it, it declines. You, you, you can't be on a steady high dose of adrenaline. You, I, I, I tell them, the chemical runs out. So, <laughs> so you're, you're still anxious because you're, you're looking yeah. at real danger facing you, but the physiological response has dampened. That's what's happening mm. with COVID. That more yeah. and more people are fatiguing to this onslaught exactly. of we're all going to die, everybody's going to mm-hmm. die, this is horrible, if you get it, you're going to go to the hospital, and you're going to the intensive care unit, and the fact of the matter is, it's only a very, very small percentage of people who do, and under age 50, it's, it's even less than that, which, Peggy, you are under 50, so I just wanted to mention that. So, <laughs> so given all that... <laughs> when did your eyesight go so bad? <laughs> well, I just saw this... I saw your publicity photos! You were 36! <laughs> I use my first communion picture on my website. People say you need to update. You need to update your photo. I say oh, I'll put it in my. I'll put it in my my high school graduation here shortly. Oh well, you know I do wonder. I've begun to wonder. I wonder if we hadn't done the lockdowns. I wonder if we had treated COVID as a yes, a dangerous and uh, disease that you needed to be very careful. But we had not taken all these extreme measures. I just wonder what would have happened to the population. Would we have lost a lot more people? Maybe we we would have lost less because so many so-called COVID deaths were related to underlying diseases. Politicians, and you probably know this, Peggy, a lot more than I do, they talk about the invisible voter. All right, if they're going to pander to a voter, it's going to be somebody that obviously is going to vote. And it's going to be somebody mm-hmm. that, in fact, is high profile. Okay, I'm I'm going to say, for example, I'm not going to touch Social Security, even though it's going bankrupt. I'm not going to touch it. Why? Because the elderly, the 66 and above, will just blow us out of office. Mm-hmm. Okay. The invisible voter is the 22-year-old who mm-hmm. is going to pay for Social Security for me for the next 40 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. An invisible voter. Well, I think mm-hmm. what's happening is all of these unintended corollary effects of COVID are invisible. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Like, I'll give you a small example. My, my sister-in-law is a teacher. teaches second grade. Kids were out of school last year. And they supposedly right. were getting home instruction. She says they are so far behind. She says, I've mm-hmm. got all kinds of second graders who can't even read a lick. I've never wow. had a whole mm-hmm. class this far behind. Well, of course. Wow. They, the education just basically came to a stop in so many yeah. ways. So right. that's an unintended effect. No, it's not a... It's not a Lethal one, but it's one. Yeah, but the consequences for years may be out there. But you think you can't measure it. See, that's the problem. Yeah, I know. The the, the agreement across the board is the lockdowns were a hyper overreaction that didn't work. If they would have worked, you'd have said, okay, they worked. Great. We we, we stopped it. But they didn't work. But here's the comeback to that. You can't prove a negative. So in other words, you can hide behind, well, you know, it would have been really bad had we not done that. Well, that's yeah, just speculation. Yeah. That You don't know that. You, mm-hmm. You're not designed to study. There's no way to study that. That's just speculation. Right. That's political speculation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, so this is... By the way, I'm going to get some ugly emails because I will tell you, Peggy, on my radio show, no matter what topic I talk about, whether it's abortion, whether it's a church teaching that people don't like, I have never gotten the ugly pushback that I've gotten when I even raise questions about what we have done in response to COVID. 
No kidding. Oh, in the beginning, not so much now. More and more people yeah. are doing what you said, which is, yeah, yeah, they're getting tired of this. Okay, how long are you mm-hmm. going to keep coming at us with this? But in the beginning, oh, I was accused of wanting people to die. I was accused of, who am I? You a medical doctor? Oh, it was just, it was ugly. <laughs> It was ugly. And I told my wow. wife, quit writing me those letters. <laughs> oh, well, now I'll get into another influence as to why the what we started out with talking about was that the um, practice and the belief in, in religion is dropping in America. You mentioned something in this talk that I listened to, which was so good. Th- the father influence is huge. I think that is... I've heard that before, but it is, it's quite surprising. I think until we, we got those statistics, we thought that the mother always was uh, the greatest influence on uh, faith and children, but it's the father, isn't it? We're in a culture now, Peggy. When was the last time on TV or in a commercial that you saw a guy looking competent, not buffoonish, not <laughs> foolish, not dumb, not ridiculous, not hypocritical? Not bigoted, not narrow-minded. We're in a culture that basically says, guy's bad. It really is kind of the way it is. And unfortunately, I shouldn't say unfortunately, I, I would say that the reality is that in many homes, moms take the lead spiritually. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you look at the surveys, the moms are much more likely to be in church than the dads. Right. And I, That's I saw, why it was a surprise. I saw an interesting learn study that. on that. They said, why is this? Now, one of the very interesting things, there was a book written about this, and they talked about the mainline Protestants. The mainline Protestants are heavily female-directed, and female Mm. congregations, too. Heavily so. Heavily so. Mm. And they are the ones most dwindling, fastest. And they are the ones also who have pretty much jettisoned a lot of traditional Christian morality regarding divorce, Mm. regarding contraception, regarding abortion, Mm -hmm. regarding homosexuality. All these things were traditional Christian morality, historical Christian morality. And and for the most part, many of these main lines have said, okay, we're not in line with that anymore. We're moving this way. So the authors of the study that said, what is it? What is it that women tend to be more gravitating toward spiritual things? Now, here was their conclusion. I, I... I'd have to unpack this, Peggy, because I'm not sure about this. They said that guys are more risk takers. Hmm. Hmm. I think so, that's probably true. Well, we are. C- clearly, we are. You look at yeah. all the sociological data. We are. But, so, when you ignore God, that's a risk. I don't care mm-hmm. what you call it. Mm-hmm. It is a risk. Because if mm-hmm. he exists, you're in big trouble. Maybe. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, you would think mm-hmm. self, self, self-interest would make more people look into this question of whether there's a God or not. Yeah. But it doesn't. It doesn't. That's what perplexes me as a psychologist. When I wrote uh, Jesus the Master Psychologist, one of the chapters was, what perplexes you most as a psychologist? And I said, it is. Mm -hmm. When people are aging, 75, 80, 85, 90, Mm -hmm. and they still ignore the question of, is there a God? Has he tried to communicate with us? And what would he like? What would he want? They ignore it. And that, that perplexes me because self-interest is the driving motive of yeah. the human condition. Well, wait a yeah. minute. You, if you have no way of knowing whether there's a God, but you just declare he's worthy of being ignored. See, most people don't, they don't come right out and say there's no God. They'll say, yeah, mm-hmm. there is, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm all right. So yeah. 
that totally perplexes me as a psychologist. I remember back when I left the church, I was tormented because I thought this is the question of life. Is Jesus who he said he is? If he right. is, then this is everything. If he's mm-hmm. not, then he's, uh, he's Mr. Rogers. He's a skinny <laughs> Buddha, a fat Gandhi, whatever he is. You know, he's Tony Robbins. Okay, but I had, to, I had to explore that question. I couldn't just sit there and yeah. go, well, here's what I think. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. No, I went to everywhere I could. I said, give me your reasoning for why you think Jesus is who he said he is. I read books. I read science proofs. I listened to mm-hmm. everything I could listen to because these people are smarter than I am. And I had right. to weigh that question. And if So I what brought you back? Logic. Well, ultimately, you why, say God's grace, and I believe it. Why is Catholicism so much more logical than evangelical Protestantism? I was in which, evangelical which, Protestantism, and it was partly why I returned to the Catholic Church. Now, there were many God-seeking people there. There were many good, faithful Christians there. This is not any kind of impugning of the good people who are trying to seek God in the way that they know. The system confused me. The system, to me, made absolutely no sense. For example... In what way? Uh, what do you mean oh, the system didn't make sense? I'll show you. Internally, it's incoherent. For example, the Bible is all you need. You've got the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Bible. That's the substance of non-Catholic Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good hypothesis. Well, how's it working out? Well, obviously, with the tens of thousands of Christian denominations and independent churches out there, one might say, well, where's, where's the Holy Spirit here? Is he kind of confused? Now, the answer I got to that made no sense. The answer was this. We agree on the basics, Ray. You're being unfair. Okay. So, here comes the question. What are the basics? Mm. Is pro-life a basic? Is once saved, always saved a basic? Is baptism a basic? You Catholics, Mm. you got this really cute notion that that little white wafer becomes the God of the universe. Now, is that a basic or are you people lunatics? Okay. (laughs) So, what are the basics? Because Mm -hmm. who determines the basics? And the reasoning, I minored in philosophy, Peggy, when I was in college, which was just enough to mess up my head for the rest of my life. (laughs) I took philosophy, too, but I didn't major in it. That explains a lot. Okay, so (laughs) there's a thing called circular reasoning. What are the Mm -hmm. basics? Mm -hmm. The things we agree upon. Well, why do you agree upon them? Well, because they're the basics. What makes them the basics? Because we agree upon them. Why do you agree (laughs) upon them? Because they're the basics. You see, for example, where I was, it was pro-life. That you, a baby Mm -hmm. in a womb, killing a baby in a womb was a grave moral evil. And I said to the Mm -hmm. pastor's wife, I said, is that a basic? She said, absolutely, that's life. I said, well, half of the Protestant world doesn't agree with you. They believe it's a woman's choice. Mm -hmm. Is is that a basic? And then I said, well, once saved, always saved. She goes, absolutely, you have to have assurance of salvation. I said, okay, that's fair enough. Is that a basic? Oh, that's the core. I said, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you willing to say that half the Protestant world doesn't agree with you? Because they don't. Many of the main lines believe you can lose your salvation. Is that a basic? I was so confused, Peggy, I didn't know what to believe. I, I thought, yeah, if Christianity is true, there's got to be some coherence to it. Can right. I get divorced? Can I not get divorced? I mean, where I was, mm-hmm. they said, God hates divorce. But then they remarried you, and it didn't really matter. And if you left your wife and four kids, and you found somebody nicer, and you came, they'd, re- they'd remarry you. Okay. So wh- yeah. what are we dealing with here? I couldn't yeah. live like that. Yeah. Other people can live like that. I couldn't. I was messed up. Yeah. Truly messed up. Right. So uh, Here's a question then. If Protestantism is so illogical, what is it that attracts so many Catholics to become Protestant? 
And it's you've warm. got <laughs> two and a half warm. minutes to explain It's very that warm. <laughs> it's very warm. Where I was, it was a very, very community, a lot of community. Uh, the pastors are pretty good preachers. People like the idea that all I need is the Bible. I can read the Bible. And I can be a better Christian by reading the Bible. And that's true up to a point. Up to a point. It is something that is a more American. It is uh, more democratic. You know, if you've got a pastor and he teaches something that your congregation doesn't like him to teach you, you can get the board together and remove him. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. it, there's just a, a lot that is appealing to it. And the people who leave the Catholic Church much of the time didn't understand it. They didn't know why they were gone because they were going through the motions. Mm-hmm. It was all rote. The Mass is the same. I'm, ca- I'm Catholic because I'm Italian or because I'm Czechoslovakian. Mm-hmm. And that's why. So all of those things come together and make non-Catholic Christianity for many people more appealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, again, and I, I want to double underline this, I'm not impugning the many faithful Christians of other denominations. The system itself and its tenets just confused me no end. And I, it does that to a lot of people who search. And don't you think the, that when Catholics do come back to the church, I find that the most frequent answer I get from them when I say, why did you come back? They say the Eucharist, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, well, they had to come back. to the point where they believed that. Because otherwise, exactly. if you don't believe it, I mean, where I was, it was just a yeah. memorial meal, and we did it once a month. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't believe that, then it's just a nice little thing that you do as Catholics, and okay, we'll allow you that little lunacy that you do. But unless I'm talking it, about reverts who, who were taught that from, you know, maybe early some, on. They left the church. Some must have been reverberating then, in there. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Ray, we have to continue this. I always have such a great conversation with you, and we just, we're just as you said, we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> so we will have to um, parlay this into another conversation, all right? When we get together again, I'm going to talk about how science proved to me that the Eucharist was, in fact, our Lord. That I would really, really like to go into that in, in depth. All right? We will do it. All right? Thanks, Peggy. Okay. Dr. Ray Garendi has been our guest on A Place of Peace. And his latest book, give me the exact title on that, Dr. Ray. Jesus, the Master Psychologist, Listen to Him. And where can everybody get it? You can get it through the EWTN catalog, or you can go to my website, drray.com, and get it there. And, Very oh, Peggy, good. there's a million yes. in my mother's cellar. It's a million seller. <laughs> Does she have a website? <laughs> Merry Christmas, Doctor. Thanks you for too, being Peggy. with us. Join us next week on A Place of Peace. <laughs> 